Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Hey, we're live at Colhane's Irish Pub. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, and uh, St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> it's a big hit in 2021. A lot of folks uh, hanging out in the parking lot here right outside Colhane's Irish Pub. And we have a little dance routine going on. Austin Lane debating on whether to join. <laughs> Has bagpipes earlier. Yeah. And a lot of green here on St. Patrick's Day. Let's bring in our friend Joe Lamp right now from Airstream Ventures at another local event coming to Jacksonville. Uh, we're going to talk about, but I want to also talk a little bit about the NCAA tournament from a logistical standpoint because Joel has helped host many a regional here in Jacksonville, and uh, I want to get his thoughts on how they're doing it this year all in Indianapolis. Joel, what's happening, man? Just another day in paradise today. A little St. Patty's Day. It's not a bad day in Jacksonville. Yeah, not at all. I mean, the weather's unbelievable. Happy summer, of course, right? Uh, exactly. Hey, what the heck is Nitro Rallycross? Tell us all about it. I will say this about you, Joel Lamp, you and Alan Verlander. You find some things now that are kind of niche, but you bring them to Jacksonville, and they end up being really cool things. I mean, you could run the gamut of some of the events that you've brought from curling to now this. What is this? When is it? Where is it going to be? Tell us more about it. Uh, thanks, Brent. So Nitro is uh, – you've heard of Nitro Circus and Travis Pastrana. Um, yes. Extreme sports legend. And so Travis is a huge fan of racing anything and everything, and they took – he loves rallycross. And rallycross is not – in its traditional format is not fan-friendly. Uh, it's spread out over hundreds of miles crazy courses, terrain, it doesn't play well on TV. So what he has created is this, it's called Nitro Rallycross. And so we're bringing it to uh, the firm out in Keystone Heights. Um, And it is taking rallycross racing and narrowing it down into a three-mile track. Um, And so our course at the firm is going to have a lot of different elements to it but it's going to have a Florida feel to it. Um, You're going to have pavement. You're going to have them driving through the woods. You're going to have some sand and some rough areas. But the idea is create a a track that challenges the drivers across different terrain that is unique to that area. And, oh, by the way, we're going to add in a huge stunt piece. And so they'll have about a 15- to 20-foot jump that all the cars will make uh, that's part of the track. So it's not like a separate event where they're going to have a stunt contest. They're actually going to be racing. You'll have side-by-side racing cars going over this jump. And then the topper that? to this, So th- th- and then the coolest part of this, they're all electric cars. So really? it's, showcasing the, it's showcasing the newest technology in racing in these electric cars. And as you start seeing electric cars become more and more normal, a lot of that technology is getting tested in these vehicles. How about that? Uh, so it's a combination of a lot of things going on right here. By the way, if you're if Travis Pastrana is doing something, it's usually pretty cool, Joe. <laughs> I, that was the fun thing was we had Travis out uh, in Keystone uh, about a month ago to look at the track, and we were having lunch at the Florida Cracker Kitchen out uh, in Keystone, and within. 
15 minutes of us sitting down, there was a buzz around the restaurant like, hey, is that really Travis Pastrana out there? <laughs> and by that time, there were people driving up just to see Travis, get his autograph, and word spread like wildfire. So I, he is an awesome guy, and he's got a fantastic idea and concept with this tour. And it's 10 races. So we're the last part. Uh, our race is the last race on the national tour, or the U.S. tour here, and then they leave from here to go to Saudi Arabia and start their uh, European swing. Wow, how about that? Uh, Joe Lamp with us from Airstream Ventures. Hey, you know, I kind of kidded about it. You guys bring some of these niche things to Jacksonville, uh, and it, it is kind of cool. I, I guess it's working because you keep bringing them. I mean, what what kind of market is this for these kind of new events exposing Jacksonville residents and sports fans to these things has obviously been pretty well received. It has. And what we've seen in the last probably year um, is a lot of people are one, A, wanting to get to Florida, um, but B, our location is not far enough south in Florida that it deters somebody from Atlanta, Birmingham, Nashville, Charleston from making the trip. And so now you've got a wider range of people you're able to market to. So when you're talking uh, cornhole, we had cornhole here three weeks ago. We had 512 people from 33 different states in town to to, uh, play cornhole. We had uh, the Spartan race. We had 7,000 people from all 50 states coming in for these events. And so our location and geography really helps us get get these events that's also those events are seeing uh success because they know they can get people to this uh this area of florida and it's a great location you've got the outdoors you've got the nature with the the wildlife and rivers that we've got but then also you've got the beach you've got the urban uh area so you've got a little bit of something for everybody from a destination standpoint yeah, and not only that, I mean, you're talking about a place like Keystone Heights uh, or maybe you have some of the natural terrain to be able to host this kind of uh, rally cross. And then, you know, you've done some things out in Clay. I would Im- imagine some of these uh, counties and areas certainly love to have, as you guys and your business always say, heads in beds and added dollars. Absolutely. And that's the that's the great thing about this rally cross event is this is going to be the Super Bowl for North Florida uh, in that area. Um Clay County can't host the Super Bowl, but it can handle an event like this. And we're going to see hotel rooms from Gainesville, all through Bradford, all through Clay, Putnam. We're going to see people from all over the country coming in for this race the first weekend in December. And it's going to make a major impact at a time when, from a tourism standpoint, there aren't a lot of people coming to Northeast Florida. Yeah, so you're talking December on this, uh, you know, I mean, how, this is way out, right? I mean, do you just put it on your calendar for now? Absolutely. December uh, 4th and 5th is the weekend we're doing it. Go ahead and kind of pencil it in. Uh, it's going to be a really fun weekend of events out at the uh, the firm. And the firm is a, the firm is kind of the hidden treasure that's getting uh, exposed in this. We We've got a great racetrack uh, there uh, adjacent to the Keystone Airport. And so uh, it's an opportunity where if you're a, a 
uh, auto car, auto racing enthusiast, you want to go learn something about it, you want to go test, you want to go try to learn to drive a car and all this stuff. They have those programs there, and it is a fantastic facility. Um, I've I've been fortunate to go out and ride the course a couple of times, and thankfully I've been in an SUV, so I had the handle to hang on to. Um, I don't know if I'm quite ready to be able to do it in a car doing 80 to 100 miles an hour, but it's it's a it's a great facility for people who uh, want to get a taste of racing and don't have don't want to go spend the money and get a car. Hey, this is a great entry point into that. Joe Lamp with us from Airstream Ventures. All right, let's uh, venture into uh, another expertise of yours. You've helped host Jacksonville NCAA tournament regionals in the past. How do you think this is going to work in the bubble in Indianapolis, March Madness? Do you like the idea? Can they pull it off? Indianapolis has hosted a lot of different things. They're used to big events, the convention kind of events. What are your thoughts on on this 2021 NCAA tournament being all in Indianapolis? I think it's a a stroke of genius from them, mainly because Indianapolis has become such a strong destination for hosting these major, major sporting events. Um, And with their experience already built in to host the Final Four, they're able to kind of take that overlay of, okay, this is what we do for the Final Four. Now we need to adapt it for, oh, 68 teams are going to be coming in. We can't, and the hotels are used to, hey, having the team rooms and all that. Well, none of that's going to happen. And so, you, you know, they're, all the hotels are, are going to be serving the team's meals, but in their rooms. And that's the one thing I've heard uh, a lot here in the last couple of days with the teams as they've arrived in Indianapolis is once they get in the bubble, you don't have a team meeting anymore. The next time they're getting together as a entire group is probably the bus to get to go to the arena. And the one thing that really kind of separates Indianapolis too from a destination standpoint is all the schools and gymnasiums that they have within an hour or two of the area. So being able to go play at Assembly Hall and have an NCA high level caliber facility like that. That's a huge bonus for them, along with having the Pacers Arena and some of the old historical facilities that, they, that they're that they using as well. Uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse. How cool is that to go play yeah. an NCAA tournament game in Hinkle and knowing all the story behind Hoosiers and everything? That's a really cool opportunity for everybody. Joel, obviously this year with crowds and everything like that, um, you know, it, it's going to be sparse to say the least. But when crowds do open back up again and we can start going to the NCAA tournament games, I mean, do you see them going the opening round the Friday and Saturday route? Because one would think for travel uh, and for getting to different places, different cities, that makes things a lot easier. So you think, like, you know, selling tickets would be a higher of a demand. Do you think they stay with this right now where it's going to be Friday and Saturday the opening round? Or do they go back to the more traditional way going forward? It's going to be – this is one of those experiments that uh, it's an opportunity that comes out of hosting NCA uh, out of this year. Um, and the one thing we've learned as the whole sports world has learned out of the pandemic is how not to be as rigid. And some of this, this – this is now an experiment that you wouldn't see normally with the way they do the 68 teams. Now they've got an opportunity to kind of experiment and see how this works. And if it works the way they hope it does, 
well, then is this the way we need to run it from now on? Is there a way for us to adjust what we've been doing in the past? And then that might lead to the next uh, potential expansion of the bracket. Um, because that's always been the one thing is how do you expand the bracket? Um, and there's been that clamoring for years of how do we, we need to get to 96 teams. We need to get to 128, all this stuff. Um, well now, now you may have an opportunity to kind of rebuild the model a little bit, um, to do that. Is that what they're looking at? Not right now. I don't think, but I think what they want to be able to look and see is how does it work? Uh, in this setup, and then especially the TV side, um, CBS and Turner and TBS, all of those guys, they're going to have a lot to say in how that schedule works going forward, too. Absolutely. Yeah, Joe Lamp with us. The last question for you. How important is it for places like Jacksonville, whether it's Orlando, Tampa, other places, to get the regional sites, though? I mean, to want to see that return. I mean, do you think there'll be a lot of lobbying for cities who want to host that event? Is it that important to cities? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you okay. have such a major economic impact because you're bringing eight teams in. The, fir- the first and second rounds are such a big economic impact because you've got the eight teams, and they're all staying for at least three days. And once you start multiplying the fans that come with them and the fans that are now coming from around the region to watch their teams play – it starts, at, it starts multiplying really quick into a major event. And most of the times, March is a need period for a lot of these destinations from a tourism standpoint. And right now, in the tourism world, sports are what is, what driving, is what's driving a lot of heads and beds right now um, because most business calls are done via Zoom. So if you've got an opportunity to get the, getting the NCAA back, well, now you know that's a week that most of your hotels are going to be full in the community and your arenas are full, uh, your concession stands are filled, and your restaurants and small businesses that support these events, they're all getting uh, action too. So it, it's, a, it's a massive uh, impact that is felt a lot further away than just the uh, arena. Yeah, absolutely. Joe Lamp, good stuff, man, from Airstream Ventures. Good luck with the Nitro Rally Cross. We'll talk to you again between now and then, but kind of a cool event coming. Uh, appreciate your time and your thoughts on uh, the NCAA tournament this year. Thanks a lot, Brent. Appreciate it. Thanks, Austin. Y'all have a good one. Thank you, man. You too. That's Joel Lamp uh, from Airstream Ventures. Pretty cool. I mean, it is interesting to see what comes out of – we've talked about that, right? What will come out of the pandemic? Yeah. How will the rules change? Like, what will we see that's done differently uh, from our perspective? What will we see – how do we cover the teams going forward? But the NCAA tournament's one of those things. This bubble, could it be working? Could it be effective? Could it be something they lean on more? And I didn't even think about that part as much. Could they expand the tournament with so many basketball teams, so much money at stake? Again, dollars are going to win the day there, but uh, that's an interesting thought uh, as well. Hey, the Jacksonville Jaguars have uh, put out a release where they have agreed to terms with 12 players. So yeah. nice job, Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter and the rest. Yeah. Looks like you got it right. Jamal Agnew, Tyson Alualu, Malcolm Brown, Philip Dorsett, Rudy Ford, Shaquille Griffin, Carlos Hyde, Rayshon Jenkins, Marvis Jones, Marvin Jones, Chris Manhurts, Roy Robertson, Harris, Jihad Ward. Also, the Jaguars have agreed to terms to re-sign James O'Shaughnessy. So yeah. they're bringing him back to the tight end room and kicker 
Aldrick Rojas as well. Remember, they still have Josh Lambeau, too. The Jaguars have released Quentin Meeks, Rashawn Melvin, Cameron Nizelik, the punter, Josh Nurse, cornerback, running back Craig Reynolds, Dontavious Russell, former seventh-round pick, gets released. Yeah. Al Woods released. Okay. And Gabe Rock as well. So Jaguars released three defensive tackles. I guess that shouldn't be much of a surprise considering the fact that they just remade that defensive front. Yep. Avery Jones already a free agent, so I don't have to release him or make a move, but they haven't brought him back either. Uh, they did bring back DeWan Smoot. Uh, and a couple other players that they already had on their roster. So I would say they're not bringing Avery back. A little surprised about Rosas getting signed? I mean, just for a little competition, I guess? I think competition. Even though Lambeau's kind of earned, I feel like his... I mean, it's new coaching staff. I get that. Well, you know, this isn't a threat to to Lambeau, in my opinion, because he's under contract. uh, Although that doesn't mean anything in the NFL. But I think think there's still this investment. He's coming off a hip injury. Yeah. Right? It was Mm -hmm. was his hip last year. So... I wonder if there's any concern about that. No idea. But I do think this is just, hey, this guy can kick it. Rosas, we're going to keep Listen, I mean, they went through six kickers last year. Uh, I I think they're just bringing guys in just to have them on the roster for now because you can. Um, Josh Lambeau's going to be their kicker in 2021 unless there's some injury uh, that we just don't know about that lingers and he can't get uh, healthier. Does it do enough for you? So at least in the meantime, until they find more talent, whether it's a draft or free agency, James O'Shaughnessy, who's been an okay guy in that room. I mean, again, not dynamic, but an okay guy in the tight end room. Does it do enough for me, Brent? <laughs> for for I, a Wednesday I, at Colleen's I mean, Irish Pub. With no disrespect to James O'Shaughnessy, because this is St. Patrick's Day after all, and I'm sure he's celebrating wildly right now. I mean, I assume he's Irish, right? He's got to be. So you're, not, you're not O'Shaughnessy, you're not Irish. So like, so with that being said, um, I, I, you know, I'm not trying to take away his shine right now, but I, I'm not confident with the tight end room quite yet. Yeah. There, there, there's too much uncertainty still. Um, I would like to see a little more of a sure thing. Here's one thing. If you don't have a ton of talent in the tight end room, the Jaguars are going to do what really I think they've tried to do anyway, is they're just going to bring in a bunch of guys yeah, and yeah. see who emerges. And right now that could be the way they go. I mean, Manhurts and O'Shaughnessy, they have Josh Oliver. They've got guys like Ben Ellison, I think, that are still on their depth chart, you know, that could be here. So they're going to have bodies. You know, what does that mean and what kind of room does that give them? That's certainly up for debate. Yeah, I'm not trying to get anybody overly excited about James O'Shaughnessy, but they're certainly trying not to pigeonhole themselves, too. They need a certain amount of players in that room for competition. The question is, can they get so much better than they've been? And I think the way that room is right now, you can't say it is. No, uh, You can yeah. say their defense looks better on paper. Can't really say their tight end room looks any better than it did last year. Absolutely. And it's still going to beg the question. You know, I mean, this is, to me, this has to be Josh Oliver's year. I mean, how can it not be? You can't go three straight years. And, and listen, I'm the last person to say someone's injury prone or things like that. Sometimes you're just unlucky uh, and you're a victim of circumstance. But obviously this is a huge year for Josh Oliver, who's kind of an afterthought a lot of Jaguars fans' minds. All right, uh, let's take a break from Colhane's Irish Pub. We'll talk more about uh, free agency, what the Jags are doing, and I want to get into the AFC South a little bit. Where do the Jags rank now? Like what they're doing this offseason? Have they got better than other teams? How do you feel about Houston, Indianapolis, Tennessee along the way? Uh, we'll talk about that coming up here on a Wednesday edition Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Brett Martin, Austin Lane, we're live at Colhane's Irish Pub on the south side. and. People hanging out in the parking lot here, bagpipes. Brent Martineau. 
I'm not the guy that likes to like be over dramatic. Austin Lane. Well, you, you're almost in tears yesterday. I was. So. Well, that was a little different. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brian Fitzpatrick, Andy Dalton, Tyrod Taylor went to the Houston Texans. Jacoby Brissett went to the Miami Dolphins. So we, we've seen four quarterback moves essentially in the last 24. That's that's a lot of quarterback movement in one day. And imagine that there will be more. Now, the Jets, they're not in any rush to deal Sam Darnold, and maybe they won't ultimately deal Sam Darnold. But there are some teams out there that still have not addressed the quarterback the way that they were hoping to this offseason, like the Denver Broncos, like the Carolina Panthers. People have wondered about the 49ers and what they're going to do. So there are teams out there that are still waiting to make a move and we'll see what they do, but the Jets are not rushing to deal Sam Darnold today unless they got an offer that they couldn't turn down, and so far nobody's made that right now. That is Adam Schefter from ESPN as we continue to monitor the quarterback. Sam Darnold did that mix, although I think he's way down that list of monitoring. This really is a domino that includes Deshaun Watson right now. Doesn't look like a domino is going to fall in the Russell Wilson sweepstakes. He's staying in Seattle I would think, especially if that deal that was offered by Chicago is real and Seattle turned them down, they're not interested in getting rid of Russell Wilson, nor should they be, <laughs> by the way. The Jaguars could be interested in tight ends. Brett Martin, along with Austin Lane, we're live at Colhane's Irish Pub. We could get a little uh, performance coming up here shortly, so uh, you, you'll get the I background like noise. I feel like we're staying right in the middle of the performance. I know. We're it's like, it's it. like we're in the middle of a parade route yeah, right now. It's insane. But there's really not a lot of places to go. Like, we are back in, like, the corner of the park. This is the biggest studio show we've ever done. It's huge, Thankfully, man. they're socially distanced away from us. Yes. But, uh, I mean, it is a pretty good amount of people here. they got the bagpipes in the corner. So who knows what's about to happen over the next couple of minutes. Um, but they did warn us that music could be played soon. Sure. So, uh Bring it My on. goodness, bring it on. Bring it on, let's go. Uh, get your dancing shoes Hopefully on. Hopefully it's the Dropkick Murphys. <laughs> Ship out uh, to Boston. Uh, let's uh, get to the phone lines right now. And I think we have James hanging on the line. Let's get to James. <laughs> I asked Coos like four times. Who's on the line? Yeah. James, James. What's up, James? How are you doing, well, man? <laughs> I'm all right. James in Charlotte again. Hey, love uh, to have you, man. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Hey, listen, I mean, you guys, I'm jealous. I'm watching the YouTube stream, and uh, it's sunny, and you're in shorts. It's 55 in Charlotte and rainy. It's just <laughs> awful. So I'm really jealous. Um, I did want to address a little bit of what you guys have been talking about, the tight end and the um, the safety positions. I don't think they've been addressed. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I know it's not our choice. I mean, both tight ends got, you know, just swallowed up by New England. But um, – at this point, and, and I know we signed the guy from the Chargers. I, mean, I don't see him as, you know, a stud. I think he's a good rotational depth guy. I still think we have to look at, and I'm just going to get your opinion, um, Trevon Morig and Pat Fryermuth in that order, at, you know, at 25-33 in the draft because um, that would really solidify those uh, two positions. And we have really addressed a lot of the other positions very well, defensive line, Linebacker was okay. Heck, wide receiver is still open. We get there's some that I think Woods got cut today. Um, so anyway, I just want to get your thoughts about you know Morig at 25 and um, Fryermuth at 33, and then I'll uh, roll with that. Thanks a lot. Uh, 
Thanks. Appreciate it, James. Uh, thanks for calling. Hope the weather gets a little bit better up there in Charlotte. You know, here's the thing, though. you got to be a little bit careful on the Rayshon Jenkins front. Oh, I he's know he's a not starter. a name to know. He's going right? to be a starter. He's yeah. a starter. Yeah. Like, they are putting a lot of eggs in that basket. They gave him a pretty handsome payday. Yes. So, I know he's not like... You know, it's not like Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas, Jamal Adams. Yeah. He's he's not those names. He's not John John. Everybody had John Johnson. Yeah. So, but like this is John Johnson. Like this is what the Jags think. It, he probably got a little bit lesser of a deal yeah. than Johnson, but it's not that much different. Yeah. And so they are taking a little bit of a gamble that Rayshon Jenkins can be that guy. Sure. And once the other guys got tagged in uh, the last couple of weeks, he kind of started to climb the board, the free agency board, when it came to safety. So I actually tend to think this solidifies they're not going to get a guy like Morig out of TCU in the draft. I mean, they could still do those moves, but I don't think they're going there uh, early on in the draft. And keep in mind, they got Daniel Thomas last year. I I don't know if they're going I think they want to still see what he's got. Uh, it wasn't a high pick, but I think the Jaguars are, are going heavy on the offensive side when it comes to the NFL draft this year. Heavy, I mean, that doesn't mean they can't pick defensive guys, but Rayshon Jenkins is their starter at safety. Without a doubt, and the thing with Rayshon Jenkins, too, is that he's a guy that's very versatile, um, and that helps in a 3-4 defense, but it also helps when, if you want to put him at, obviously, a strong side or a free side safety. Um, I assume, I don't know, we'll wait and see how it plays out here. Pardon me, I want to say he might be a strong side guy just because I feel like they're more comfortable with maybe their, their free safeties. But once again, he's versatile. He's definitely going to be a starter. And, and that shores up a little bit of a problem uh, in the secondary, especially playing that center field spot. My question to you was going to be, oh, and by the way, the tight end position too for, for the draft. I've been saying this now for a couple of days. I, I think Fry and Youth is anything but a lock to come to Jacksonville now because his former position coach, from Penn State is now the tight ends coach here in Jacksonville. You better believe he's on tables, he's on chairs, um, saying that he wants you know his guy here in Jacksonville. There's a reason why he maybe got upgraded from a position from college to the pros because well, Brian Muth had a you know was a pretty good tight end and he coached him well. So now you bring him in to return the favor. The first round though, Brent, obviously Trevor Lawrence going number one. It's nothing but a foregone conclusion now. But that second first round pick. Now that you see the defensive line kind of shake out and, and we were hell-bent on you know, getting the Alabama defensive tackle and all this stuff, well, to me, it changes things now a little bit because now you have a lot of depth on that defensive line. What's the second thing that you need to address in the first round? Obviously, the first thing being quarterback, but what's the second thing that you address now in the first round? Yeah, I don't think it eliminates the defensive line and, and bar more. Keep yeah. in mind, you just, you just brought in Tyson Alualu, who's 33. Sure. Okay? Uh, so... I think you brought in guys, but you're not necessarily got guys for the next four, five, six years that are going to be here. You can still tackle that in the draft. I don't think it eliminates it. It doesn't eliminate it at any position, even though you got older on defense right now. So I think uh, that could certainly still be in play. But you also now have to wonder about wide receiver. If they didn't try to make the splash play at wide receiver, then maybe they can. Kadarius Tony comes yes. to mind. Somebody like that at number 25, get Trevor Lawrence a weapon. They could go that route, or they can reach for the tight end. Yeah. It's not going to be Kyle Pitts. He's not going to drop that far. But could they reach for the Friar Muths of the world? Probably not at 25. But remember, they've yeah. got four picks in the top 35. Uh, top, What is it? Top. Well, they got five picks in the top 64. So let's yeah. just say that. So they can do a lot of different things. And I think tight end. 
is someone that they'll go up and get if they need to. I think you can still get defensive tackle. You can play depth along the offensive line if you need to as well. So there's a lot of different routes to go. Yeah. Uh, but to James' point, yeah, Fryermuth comes to mind. But keep in mind, James, Jenkins is going to be a starter. Like, yes. that is a locked-up position yep. for them it's right now. Let's get Steven in real quick before we hit a break. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I feel like we're in the middle of a dance recital here at Colhane's <laughs> Irish Pub. Hey, how you guys doing? We're doing good, good man. Steven. How you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Uh, I agree. Uh, normally, I would have said Trevon at 25, but now with Jenkins, that kind of goes uh, out the door because Jenkins and uh, Daniel Thomas, I'd love to see them together. But I was going to ask tight end-wise, since we signed uh, O'Shaughnessy back, got rid of Eifert, we really don't have much in there, I was going to think, do you guys think maybe they should double down in the draft and at least get two of the top five tight ends, you know, between Friar Muth, uh, Revan Jordan, Hunter Long, or and uh, correct me if I butcher his last name, Kenny Yabow out of uh, Ole Miss. Wait, so what's the question? Repeat now? it again. We yeah. had uh, we had somebody uh, that was repeat those names again. Uh. Pat Fryermuth, which, uh, trust me, I agree. I think they're going to get him at 33. Um, then you have Brevin Jordan uh, from Miami, Hunter Long from Boston College, and Kenny Yabow out of Ole Miss. They're ranked as the top five tight ends in the draft. All Could right, we possibly it. double down and get two? Yeah, appreciate it, Stephen. Uh, yeah, listen. I think what – no, I don't think they'll double down and get two, if, uh, no. if I'm being honest. I think they have a reliable guy in O'Shaughnessy. They brought in a blocker uh, with Manhurts. They have other players on the roster, and they have essentially this other draft pick that they've yet to use, and that's Josh Oliver. And so Oliver, in essence, is like a draft pick for them for Urban Meyer. Yeah. Like nobody's seen him. And so he's – you know you got him. But because he hasn't played, it's like an added player to the roster that nobody knows anything about. Mm-hmm. And so I think he's already added to the room. It's a one tight end thing in the, in the, for them. That's why you got to be a little careful how many you get in free agency as well because there's only so much room. Correct. But what is going to elevate you and make you dynamic? This might be something that people don't want to hear. But the Jags might have missed the window to do that. The, Jag, the, the, the way to get dynamic was to get Hunter Henry or John U. Smith. Correct. And they didn't get it. And what's left out there doesn't make you dynamic in that room. It doesn't make you great in that room. You just hope you can get decent production, but it doesn't make you great. Friar Muth, maybe he becomes a stud, but we all have always said you can't rely on that in year one. Yeah. Oliver, maybe he surprises people. So there are some maybe guys. But we might have to face reality and say, Hey, you know what? The Jags are just going to be okay in the tight end room once again. Lower your expectations. Yeah, and, and you know, and that's kind of the status quo with the NFL. Like, there's not a lot of NFL teams that have legit elite tight ends, but if you have guys that you know are suitable that Trevor Lawrence can bring the best out of, then so be it. Uh, let's take a break. Uh, Cole Haynes, Irish Pub, on location here on the South Side. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We'll continue to talk about the value of tight ends. I want to get into that. And, again, I keep teasing, but we'll get to it. The AFC South, what does it look like here a few days into free agency? As free agency is official, the league year has begun in the NFL here on this Wednesday. We'll be back on ESPN 690. Obviously, I've 
pulled both of them. Hey, it's going to be, you know, the two of you are going to compete for this position. And, and, and they understand it, and they'll come in. We've already had a chance to, to see both of them to some degree. I think last year was important for us relative to Jameis. We had had Taysom in the building, but it gave us a year to evaluate him, and it also gave him a year to evaluate us. And, and I think that was important. Oh, I don't know who that was. Who's, uh, that was Sean Payton, maybe? Yep. Ah, very good. There we go. I can't even comprehend words right now watching this dude. I'm like, I'm so focused and locked into this dance routine. It's crazy. Yeah, if you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, we're giving you a live performance here at Colhane's Irish Pub. I would tear a quad in two seconds. <laughs> Just on my tippy toes the entire time, there's no way. Very impressive. Like, I don't know my dancing very well, but uh, I would assume this would qualify as the Irish jig. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. I don't know if there's a spinoff of that or if it's just all qualified as the Irish well, jig. Is, is it considered, like, river dancing as well or not? I, I think know. that's along those lines. Sure. I mean, you're really getting out of my wheelhouse here. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you know <laughs> No one in my family's got red hair, sir. So this is more of your criteria than it is my criteria. I don't. I don't this was not part of Ty and Kaylee's, you know, routine on the weekends. Yeah. I mean, in terms of, like, you know, you hear all the time NFL players, well, I guess not all the time, but I remember, like, Alex Collins, the running back from the Ravens, did ballet yeah. for his footwork. Well, the guy who made that, one I would, think, like, Tony Dorsett yeah. back in the day, and I think it was Herschel Walker. Okay, made that, that, that makes thing. sense. I mean, what, what doesn't Herschel Walker do? My, my goodness, that guy does everything. But it makes you wonder what the benefits would be if you try this stuff, Brent. Yeah. There is so much going on here at, at, at Colhane's Irish Pub. Yeah. Like, this was, like, we, we thought we were just going to the corner of the parking lot. Yes. With Colhane's Irish Pub in the background. Yep. And we got ourselves. We are the parking lot right now. A concert of bagpipes. Yep. And a dance recital. Yep. Along the way. Yep. And they were very good, by the way. Yep. So. Uh, this is really, I don't know if it's adding to your entertainment in the car or on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, but it's certainly added to ours. Yep. And uh, here we are. I mean, this uh, performance, I think, is in the books. I'm not sure. I think we got a bow coming up, but let's wait and see here. But there could be an encore coming. Let's you not know, get ahead of ourselves now. We seriously, it felt like we're in the middle of a parade. Like, yeah. like one of, whatever movie. Here comes the encore. Hey, you thought it was Oh, we done. got more. We're just getting started. It, you know, is there a movie where like somebody gets stuck in the middle of the parade route, like Macy's Day Parade? Is or that something? like a Ferris Bueller's Day Off is kind it, of thing? Yeah, it might like be. it feels like it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's us. Yeah, we're doing a radio show in the middle of a dance recital slash yeah. parade. Yep. And I can't help but think, is this a little your fault? Okay, so so right now it looks like they're so this is more of a. When we went to college back in 2012, 2013, more of a, it's, it's like a jerk we call that, Brent. There's a song called "You're a Jerk." And they're kind of jerking right now. It's I'm not even lying. It's more of like the backstep kind of jerk I'm seeing right now. And what, we have. Why don't you move that chair out of the way? Because I feel okay. like somebody's. Yeah. Okay. I'm running the camera here. Hey, should I get out of the way too? Because I'm breaking nah, 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 this nah, thing. This is our territory. <laughs> they're gonna have to work through us. We were here first. <laughs> I, I don't feel like taking on like 50 flexible young kids right now, dude. <laughs> they'll, they'll, no, there's no way. There's way too much energy going on right now. Uh, I, don't have, I don't have the time and effort for it. Did you see the Ian Rapp report? 
No, what did he just we, say? I've been stuck on this Irish jig here for the last few minutes. So, what did he say? About 10 minutes ago, Ian Rappaport put on Twitter, one quarterback to monitor. The Jaguars have received a few calls from teams inquiring about quarterback Gardner Minshew. Ah. Source has said. Okay. The, the the Jacksonville QB room is in flux, and we'll see where this one goes. Where, hey, one to watch, Brent, as, the, as everyone says. One to watch. Where could somebody like Minshew go? Chicago, I guess. Might as well add to the room. Why not? <laughs> Come on. No, I don't know. He's not going to Chicago. Could he go to Houston? Could you see New England? I mean, Tyrod Taylor now is going to Houston, right? Yeah, yeah. Could, could you see New England? I mean, I guess Cam Newton going there says that he's going to be the starter, at least for now. But Boy, you just talk about two different style guys, too. You know, it just doesn't add yeah. up to me. But. but Cam Newton's different style than anybody, really, these days. Who needs a quarterback? I mean, going through... Washington? Washington's interesting. Um, Didn't Washington get Fitzpatrick? Oh, yeah, you're right. They signed Fitzpatrick. Like I said, Washington? <laughs> yeah, um, but, I mean, they got Fitzpatrick, Heineke, and probably going to get a young guy. Washington, then, you think would be a good one? I don't you, think so. You're going to throw Heineke at me like that's going to be the difference maker? Well, I mean, is it, I mean what I mean, Heineke what did, teams, isn't he right? kind of what, like... You buy into with Minshew. I mean, yeah. I think Minshew's a I think Minshew's a starting quarterback in the NFL. I, I've always said that. Uh, I think he failed to do so in a small sample. Yeah. Show us that he's like. What about Denver? He's, he's an above-average quarterback. He just didn't get a lot of a chance, but he didn't do it in the time that he did. Denver's interesting. Uh, the, they remember the Mile High Mullet. Well, not only that, but a little bit of Mile High Miracle too. That was one of his best performances yeah. in a Jags uniform. So maybe John Elway remembers that. Oh, let's think Uh-oh. about it a little bit. We'll Uh-oh. talk more, and also want to get into the AFC South. And have Darn. the Jags spent enough money to this point in up. free agency? I'm in the way. It's on the way. And six six two forty five Austin Lane, who fights for a living, around. just got pushed out of the way by about eight little eight year olds. Yeah, that's generous, eight year olds. <laughs> uh, we guys? talk a little more Gardner Minshew. How old are you? There's a lot happening here. And Cole hates Irish. Twelve. Well, there's twelve. Oh, Brent, that's sorry. <laughs> that's 12. Sorry to disrespect you. Well, uh, <laughs> tell him. Let him know about it. Okay. All right. The performance continues during the break, Goose. We'll be back. Football at five on the way. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Happy St. Patrick's Day.